welcome back, ocean lovers, to episode 8 of Coral, Kelp, and Community. This time, we're talking with Pat from 12 Tides and celebrating their kelp chips going national. So, like, first total confession, I'm super excited to be talking to someone who actually, like, works with kelp and kelp farming. Um, I'm a total nerd about it. I just got a big paper published about restorative ocean farming and I had like this huge section devoted to kelp and like the nutritional value and the environmental benefits and all the potential jobs that we could create from it and like yeah so this podcast is semi an excuse for me to fangirl over amazing work that people are doing <laughs> all right well uh, origin story of 12 tides so uh, before 12 tides I spent a number of years in big seafood worked on all sorts of large-scale commercial fishing and aquaculture operations around the world, everything from factory trawlers in Alaska to uh, net pen fish farms, Mexico, shrimp farms in Indonesia. I saw a lot of the dark sides of the world of global seafood. Uh, We import about 90% of our seafood in the United States. Most of it goes through long and opaque supply chains um, that don't incentivize best practices ecologically at the primary producer level. So the more you crack the hood open, for the most part, the uglier it gets. And I wasn't uh, incredibly inspired by that. So you know, I wanted to try to contribute to something that could change the relationship between our food system and the oceans for the better. And from all my time in seafood, I met some people who were growing kelp on these sort of regenerative ocean farms. And I thought the idea that we can grow nutrient-dense food with zero inputs and have a net positive impact on surrounding marine ecosystems was very compelling and should be a much bigger part of the food system. I think one of the limiting factors that I sort of saw was just the lack of, um, you know, high value end markets and, you know, frankly, good products that were out there that were using kelp as a primary ingredient um, to keeping kelp from, you know, becoming that much bigger part of the food system. So, um, that is why we launched 12 Tides. Uh, we buy kelp directly from the farmers. Um, we do all the processing and our own product manufacturing ourselves. And we created these really awesome uh, chips as our first product that feature kelp as the number one ingredient to help introduce people to the idea of eating kelp for the first time and um, you know, facilitate that change from... Um, on the supply side from other you know, forms of seafood and uh, on the demand side from things like corn, wheat, rice, and potato to a nutrient dense and ultra sustainable alternative. The ecological benefits of kelp are really remarkable. Um, I could rant about them for quite some time, but do you wanna share what got you particularly excited about kelp? Yeah, I think like in summary, it's one of the very few things that we can produce in the ocean that has a net positive impact on the ocean. And everything else I saw in seafood was like largely extractive and kelp has has a net positive impact. It does that in a few ways. But um, number one is that, uh, you know, as kelp grows incredibly fast, um, it absorbs carbon at an incredibly fast pace. And that absorption of carbon from the surface and coastal waters can actually mitigate acidification, um, which I'm sure you know about. Um, 
It can also perform other sort of nutrient regulating services um, with things like nitrogen and phosphorus. Um, and beyond that, it provides you know, habitat and uh, food for all sorts of biodiverse marine life. Um, you know, there's some coastal protection elements of it. So there's a whole array of, of you know, ecological services and benefits that can be provided by kelp that um, you know, when we're farming, we're able to sort of you know, generate these little like kelp forests on an annual basis. You can sort of get that consistently, you know, year over year. Yeah, sometimes it feels like the list of benefits is kind of endless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there really is no downside. And the number of products that can come from kelp is also pretty vast. I obviously am a fan of your kelp chips. <laughs> And I also noticed that your packaging is plastic free, correct? Yeah, you know, that, that was a hard thing to reconcile for us um, from the early days because we wanted to be an ocean positive brand, but uh, having traditional petroleum based single use plastic was uh, not forward to that mission. So. We went on a long journey to find a bio-based uh, compostable packaging alternative. We made our own laminate, you know, with partnership with a material supplier over in Japan. Um, it's this uh, wood pulp-based uh, laminate, and uh, that's what we use in our snacks today. So it's it's better than plastic in that you eliminate sort of the dependency on petroleum on the front end and on the back end there's probably a marginal improvement because the reality of the composting infrastructure in the u.s is that almost nobody has access to it or does it so but you know i, I think my perspective on that is like we know what doesn't work for the planet for sure and that is single-use petroleum-based plastic and so like we got to try something else and i hope that the composting infrastructure will evolve in the U.S. to be uh, much more robust um, in the coming decades. Um, but we're also very supportive of other sorts of ideas like alternative uh, grocery models, you know, zero waste sorts of ideas. Um, and so we want to you know, support those things as much as we can as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it might be exciting to hear then. Um... So I lived in the Bay Area, California for a long time, and pretty much the entire region uh, has compost pickup, just like your trash and recycling. And I think I just read that New York is about to do, New York City is about to do the same thing. So the solution is spreading. Yeah. Um, but, you know, slowly but surely, and most of the compostable packaging unfortunately like you can't really compost it in your own backyard type of style um but you know it's it's a start at least it's not another piece of plastic that's around for now yeah i think part of what we're trying to do on the plastic front is like there are alternatives out there there are a lot of alternatives and you know whether that's like zero waste or alternatives to plastic and the big brands who really make a difference in the food system have very actively chosen to not 
pursue any alternatives. It'd be very inconvenient for them. We'd rather not do it. And so we think that consumers would be, uh, consumers can make a difference by asking the question of why are you not doing that? And so by putting an alternative out there, we're kind of showing people that there are different ways of doing things out there. And like the big brands should be looking uh, at that more, more carefully. And a lot of times they, you know, I don't know, maybe just like have like a cute little like side project that they advertise, but then they have no intention of actually changing like their, um, you know, mainstream packaging. And so, you know, consumers need to be sort of pushing that part of the equation forward more aggressively. Absolutely. I mean, I get, I always get really excited when I see, you know, like this is 100% compostable or you need that on, on packaging because I feel like it's just additional evidence that it is actually possible to phase out plastic. And the only reason it hasn't happened is because change is slow. However, it happens. A lot of companies don't want to switch because they think they'll lose money or it's, you know, it costs money to switch because of infrastructure reasons. Um, but, you know, we have to start somewhere and showing that there are viable alternatives is important. Yeah. And I was actually really surprised. Uh, so I just moved to Europe. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those big international chains that we know in the U.S. are also here. Um for example, certain coffee shops here, mm -hmm. their plastic lids are made of paper. Mm -hmm. And I have a feeling that that's like a, a policy requirement because they don't do it in the United States. Yeah. Um, but the fact is they are doing it. And so there are alternatives. And like you say, consumers need to be made aware of them and they need to demand them. Yep. I agree that Europe does like a much better job on that. Um, and I'm actually not too familiar with the regulations if that's, you know, regulatory driven or consumer driven. Um, I have noticed though, that there is a lot more progress and frankly, like food is the hardest place to do that because you have all of these like barrier requirements and shelf life requirements and goes through a beat up and complicated supply chain and stuff like that. So like, the lowest hanging fruits, like the, you know, coffee lids or the, mm -hmm. you know, if you buy like a t-shirt or something and it comes in like pieces, like that's easily replaceable, like not oh, yeah. back to like food safety. So there's probably lower hanging fruit than food, but, um, you know, food is a huge percentage of you know, single use plastic waste. So eventually we're going to have to get there. Yeah. And I'm really glad that you guys are showing that there is an alternative and you also go beyond just buying kelp and creating a market for kelp and introducing people to it as food you also have a partnership with sea trees yep we've been partnered with sea trees since the day we sold our very first bag um and we wanted to use our community and help bring awareness you know in, in addition to all of the kelp farming efforts to other sort of ocean restoration projects around the world it's under like a similar umbrella of of ocean regeneration kind of two different ways that we think about like going about that it's like regenerative ocean farming on the one side but then there's also like natural ecosystem restoration on another side 
a lot of the similar principles on why kelp is good. Um, you can either regenerate sort of natural kelp or you can you know, plant more kelp on an annual basis. Um, but we wanted to support both of those things. So uh, we partnered with Seed Trees. Um, you know, up until this point, we've been um, very active partners in their Palos Verdes uh, kelp restoration project. Um, help restore about, I think it's about 25,000 square feet um, of that project. And you know, Sea Trees is expanding to more projects in the United States and other parts of the world. And so um, we are going to support more of those um, you know, great ocean restoration efforts as well. Oh, that is so great. I am so impressed with how 12 Tides is just really going above and beyond, like not just creating an eco-friendly product, but also finding other ways to give back. It's really fantastic, and other large businesses should take note and follow suit. Uh, but so tell me, how did you figure out how to put kelp into such an easy, tasty snack? Um, yeah, so in the very early days, um, I we started at the farmer's markets. Uh, we were at you know, maybe 10 or 12 farmer's markets around the Bay Area. Um, I came, I was making the chips myself in like a little commissary at the time. And uh, every week we'd come with, you know, slightly different flavors or different form factor or, um, you know, maybe a little change in texture or something. And, and uh, the farmer's markets were a great place to, you know, get feedback on all of that from a lot of people for almost no money in a short period, period of time. And from there, we just kind of learned, like, what was hitting, what wasn't. What did people care about um, from like an ingredients and nutritional standpoint? Um, and then we kind of like narrowed in on the first three flavors, which were sea salt, everything, and um, chili. And then after that, we, I don't know, took a lot of the feedback that we got from online reviews and people emailing in and social media um, to decide on the next two, which were vegan cheddar and truffle and pepper. I have to say, I love all the flavors. Um, I am a bit of a classic. Sea salt will probably always be my favorite because it's kelp chips. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're like, I can't wait for you guys to start shipping to Europe now that I live here. I told my mom when she comes to visit, she has to bring me kelp chips <laughs> from 12 Tides. So how many kelp farms do you buy from? Um, we have, uh, let's see, we have four farms in our network for the 2024 harvest. Um, we tend to buy from, um, I don't say like the larger farms, but like there's not really anything that's like a big kelp farm right now, but sort of like more like full-time farmers um, where we can buy um, you know, pretty good quantities from there are a lot of maybe like part-time farmers or you know lobster fishermen that are doing it sort of in the off season and um, it's because we do buy direct from the farmers it's hard for us to um, buy from tons and tons of kelp farmers and maintain the quality um, across you know a, a massive network so when I say like the larger kelp farms these are people that are kind of fully full-time dedicated to kelp farming but it's still probably like a two-person company. 
think that buying direct is really important, not just for the quality of the product, but because who farms really matters. You know, mm -hmm. like eventually if large corporations want to do these massive offshore kelp farms, like, yes, there will still be the benefits of carbon sequestration and, you know, reducing ocean acidification and I guess temporary habitat, but not the same as if it were on the coast, you know, where it normally grows. Um, but, you know, the, the jobs wouldn't quite be there in the same way if it was just some big old thing where a big boat goes through every now and then. Um, so, you know, there's, there's the quality and just like supporting your local people, which I think is really fantastic. It's a big like economic opportunity for um, a lot of communities that have been maybe historically reliant on increasingly volatile uh, fishery populations. Um, you know, people a lot of times I think sort of paint sort of a downward trend of, you know, fisheries in the United States um, and the health of fisheries in the United States, which is like maybe true, but I think what's even more important is that it's, and driven by climate change is increasingly volatile. And so you're, you know, a participant in a given fishery and, you know, you see, you know, biomass and the allowable catch like dip by like half, or maybe your fishery gets completely closed for an entire year, which has happened a couple of times over the past couple of years. Like that's, uh, it's pretty devastating. So I think having sort of an alternative that um, leverages a lot of the existing infrastructure, um, existing skill sets um, can, you know, help provide, I guess, a much more sort of consistent and uh, sustainable stream of income there. Totally. Something that I wrote about in my paper was you don't have to necessarily stop fishing, but if you're growing kelp, it's a much more consistent form of income that can be reliable and you're providing habitat for the juvenile fish that you eventually want to catch one day. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very um, mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. I, I think that was like a perfect point that was made in the, the kelp forest um, sort of benefit quantification paper that came out from, I think it was like Aaron Eager down in Australia. Um, and the huge percentage, I mean, kelp forest is a little bit different than kelp farms, but like the, the benefit, a huge part of the economic benefit from kelp forest was the benefit it has to fisheries. Um, and when you're quantifying it all up, like the carbon benefit is actually sort of pales in comparison to the you know, fisheries benefit from an economic standpoint. Um, so, yeah, I mean, efforts to keep ecosystems healthy. Yeah. Um it's easy to forget how much we depend on a healthy ecosystem for everything. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, uh, that sort of economic opportunity, um, is a big one. And I think, um, and I, I agree with you, like don't need to stop fishing, you know, especially in the United States, I'm biased because my sister works for the national marine fishery service. <laughs> I think fisheries in the United States are like pretty well managed and pretty sustainably managed. Um, but, they're not increasing, uh, you know, on a, on an aggregate level. And so 
Um, and we're not discovering any new fisheries. The time for that is, is over. So, um, you know, I, I think from like a new economic opportunity standpoint, there's not a lot that's, you know, sort of to be had in the world of fisheries. Um, but I think kelp and the idea of ocean farming, and not only kelp, but other things um, in the ocean farming sort of arena provides like a compelling new opportunity. Yeah, I think it's it's really exciting because it definitely is a way to unite human activity with habitat so that both uh, flourish, which is, you know, basically required for any anything to be sustainable. Um, one question I had was how can people get involved and what is the kelp crew? Oh, crap. I don't even know what the kelp crew is. Uh, that, I think that's an Emmy creation. Um, so I am not involved in like. She social. abandoned you. She was here earlier. Yeah, just stayed on. Is tell everybody what that is. Um, so, so believe it or not, so I came from background in seafood when I started Twelve Tides, and so seafood is not known for sort of its branding and marketing and social media prowess. Seafood industry in aggregate, and so. You know, I knew I was going to need people who really know what they're doing there. And so Emmy and my co-founder, Lindsay, were definitely those people. Um, but uh, the Kelp Crew, I believe, is our brand ambassador program um, that we can, um, you know, that we have set up to basically allow people to get little bonuses for, you know, posting about us, coming up with, like, creative content, um, you know, attending events that we have going on in sort of the ocean um, uh, restoration space, or little supporting little collaborations that we do with sea trees and things like that. So I think there's a link on our website uh, to join the kelp crew if uh, you'd like to do that. So, or you can just reach out to us directly. I will put that link in the show notes. <laughs> um, yeah, the kelp crew sounds like a fun time i met one of your snack slingers in a grocery store yeah slingers are a different thing so yeah if you're we are expanding nationwide in like october um and so we are looking for a lot more kelp slingers so if you're interested in being a kelp slinger um basically like a field marketing um ambassador uh you can definitely reach out to us on our website Gonna be hiring a lot more kelp slingers uh, across the country. Yay! Oh, co- well, congratulations on expanding to be nationwide. That's very exciting. I mean, I guess that's that's actually a pretty big endeavor that you have coming up. So maybe you don't have plans for other snacks or different products yet, or there's still stuff in the works behind the scenes. Uh, there's definitely stuff in the works. There's new flavors um, that we're working on. Uh, there's new packaging formats too that we're working on. So, you know, we have the two ounce one right now, but um, it's kind of, uh, it's not really a single serve. So some people make it a single serve, which you can't uh, you know, support or refute that. But um, he's looking uh, at me, everyone. I make a bag single serve. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, single serve would allow us to sell into things like um, the airports, um, food service, like cafes mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so that new opportunity for us 
um, bigger size bags too. We've gotten a lot of demand for, so um, especially from like people who want to cut down on the packaging. So um, that's another opportunity. Yeah, bring on the family size pack. <laughs> yeah. And uh, lastly would be yeah, new flavors. Um, we're working sort of on a sweet flavor, maybe sort of limited edition. And then there's a lot more things that we can do with kelp. Um, and I think, you know, new products that we have, you know, in development um, or in the ideation stage. And we'll hope to launch those within the next year or two. But in the near term, we're kind of only touching the very tip of the iceberg with our first product. And so sort of the, the core mission will be to grow our our distribution there uh, first and I guess grow our you know, f farmer network to um, support all of that. Those sound like excellent plans moving forward. And congratulations again on going national. Everybody, keep an eye out for 12 Tides kelp chips coming soon to a store near you. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on this show. Yeah, was thank you for having me. Yeah, it was an absolute pleasure to feature a business that's eco-centric. <laughs> and yeah, we'll talk again soon. Sounds good. Yeah, thanks again. And a big thanks to our listeners for joining us today. If you want to get involved with 12 Tides, check out our links for show notes, follow both of us on Instagram, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a wave. Catch you next time.